This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week we shine a light on the area of women's rights in Latin America. And a parental warning, we'll be dealing with sensitive issues for mature audiences. But first, Lydia Bayoud has our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Executives from Europe's largest bank admitted this week that they ignored warnings that Mexican drug cartels and other criminal organizations were using the bank to launder money. A U.S. Senate investigation subcommittee interrogated the executives over a host of oversight failures that led to the laundering of billions of dollars over several years. The committee's chairman, Senator Carl Levin, described how Mexican cartels got around anti-money laundering laws during the hearing. Because our tough AML or anti-money laundering laws in the United States have made it hard for drug cartels to find a U.S. bank willing to accept huge unexplained deposits of cash, they now smuggle U.S. dollars across the border into Mexico and look for a Mexican bank or Casa de Cambio willing to take the cash. Some of those Casas de Cambios had accounts at HP Mexico, which in turn took all the physical dollars that it got, transported them by armored car or aircraft back across the border to HB US for deposit in its US banknotes account, completing the laundering cycle. The bank's executives apologized to the committee for their lack of oversight and the head of compliance resigned during the proceedings. The committee also blamed U.S. regulators for failing to crack down on the bank when they knew what was going on. The regulators have vowed to prevent a repeat situation in the future. Mexico's Conservative National Action Party, or PAN, has joined with the country's leftist Democratic Revolutionary Party to demand an investigation into electoral wrongdoing during the July 1st general election. The two parties, which rarely agree, say they have strong and conclusive evidence of the use of illegal funds and vote-buying by President-elect Enrique Peña Nieto's campaign. Peña Nieto denies the claims. Human Rights Watch has issued a new report claiming that the Venezuelan government's abuse of power has grown over the past four years. The report says recent laws limiting freedom of speech and the removal of democratic institutions meant to safeguard those freedoms allow the government to intimidate and censor its critics. Venezuela expelled the group from the country in 2008 after accusing them of meddling in the country's affairs. The report comes just as campaigning for the next presidential election gets underway. President Hugo Chavez is running for re-election after winning a referendum ending presidential term limits in 2009. Polls currently show Chavez well in the lead over his opponent. Venezuelans will vote on October 7th. Two former Chilean military officials have been arrested and charged with the torture and death of the father of former President Michel Bachelet. The arrest of two former Air Force colonels, Ramon Caceres and Edgar Ceballos, comes after a forensic report into the death in 1974 of General Alberto Bachelet. General Bachelet was considered loyal to President Salvador Allende, who was deposed in a military coup led by General Pinochet in 1973. The forensic report suggests Bachelet's death was due to his torture while in detention for treason. 
Michelle Bachelet and her mother were also tortured by the Pinochet regime before escaping to Australia. Caceres and Ceballos are being held in a detention center while awaiting trial. Tensions are rising in southwest Colombia between indigenous Nasa Indians and the country's military. On Wednesday, riot police armed with shotguns and tear gas regained a hill in the town of Toribio from the Nasa. The previous day, members of the traditionally pacifist Nasa tribe forcibly dragged away six members of the Colombian military from their land. The expulsion by the indigenous group came after days of attacks against the security forces by FARC guerrillas in Toribio. The Nasa people have long been caught up in the violence between the military and the FARC, the revolutionary armed forces of Colombia. The tribe is demanding both parties leave their land and say that civilians are frequently the victims of the clashes between the government and the guerrillas. This mountainous area of Colombia is a key thoroughfare for drug trafficking. Colombia's defense minister says the military will stay in the region to continue fighting the FARC, but is open to dialogue with the area's indigenous groups. The first American cargo ship to travel from Miami to Cuba in 50 years docked in Havana late last week. The ship carried humanitarian supplies and charitable donations sent to relatives from Miami's Cuban exile community. The cargo is exempt from U.S. trade embargoes that have been enforced against the communist-controlled island since 1962 and the Kennedy administration. While the Obama administration relaxed some of the trade restrictions in 2009, Cubans are now facing higher taxes on imported goods. Cubans who have entered and exited the country more than once a year will now have to pay about $10 per kilo for imports. The tariff was previously only 50 cents a kilo. The new measures could affect up to a quarter of a million people who started new businesses under President Raul Castro's recent free market reforms. For Latin Pulse, I'm Lydia Bayoud. We invited Macarena Saiz of the Washington College of Law at American University to give us a primer on the concerns of women in Latin America earlier this week. Just to note that our pre-recorded conversation deals with sensitive topics such as rape and abortion. There are several issues that, in my opinion, are very concerning. One of them, I think there is a general backlash in uh, reproductive rights in Latin America. So today, um, I think that the progression in terms of um, providing women with more choices and empowering women to choose about their own reproductive um, technologies and, uh, and their own bodies, I think it's um, a little bit less, uh, there is less autonomy than what we should have expected if we had this conversation 20 years ago. Um, the other issue that it's problematic is violence against women. And I think that violence, although the good news is that there is more awareness in terms of violence, and uh, now there is a concept at least that there is a particular type of violence, that it's violence against women. So it's not in the same bundle as all sorts of violence in Latin America, and that, of course, is good. It's, to, it's good that we can identify that there is a particular type of violence against women. I think that the problem that we face is that violence tends to mutate a little bit or, or shape in different forms. So it's a little bit diffi difficult to necessary to identify it. So we Are we talking about something beyond domestic violence? Beyond domestic violence, you have in certain countries where there is a lot of violence, you have particular violence very brutal against women for the fact of being women only. So a lot of torture 
before uh, killing them with no particular reason, and it, this is outside the scope of domestic violence, that you have a lot in Guatemala and El Salvador. You have it also in Mexico. Um, so is this related to the drug war? It is related to, of course, to violence in general, but it's also related to a lack of um, respect for women in as, as human beings. So as long as there is this idea that women are valued less than men in general, you will have a more violence uh, or a, a, a more brutal violence against women. And, and it's terrible because also mostly women are not necessarily part of the conflict. So they are not caught up in the conflict and killed because they were part of that conflict. But we're seeing higher levels of violence against immigrant women who are making the journey from Central America to the United States or making the journey from Mexico to the United States. And I think the statistics I've heard is 60% or 70% of the women who are making that journey are raped or are assaulted in, in, in some way. And I, I don't think people realize this difficulty that women have. Um, I don't think that people realize that also because I think that now you have way more women immigrants than before. So women are the ones who are doing the journey and uh, taking the journey in, in more masses than before. So, of course, that also increases the percentage of violence against them. But what it's really terrible, and I don't know if people uh, in general realize this, and, and I've, I've, uh, I, every time I, I talk to students about this, I, I ask them, you know, I think that women in general face rape. And they live with the, with the fear of rape in a way that it's absolutely unconscious. But it tells you something about the reality of women in general. Women many times... Now, this is beyond the reality of women, be beyond Latin America. This is beyond... just in the, in the world today. Well, in, I, I'm, I can't really say that this is a worldwide experience because I can only talk about what I really s sort of know better. But I think that in Latin America, at least, given the reality of women and the violence against women and violence that it usually starts with rape, women in general... Uh, tend to define their um, way to home, for example. Daily tasks, even when they don't really realize the idea of, well, am I going to be raped or not? It's not like, am I going to get my wallet stolen? Or am I get, uh, I'm, I'm going to be mugged if I take this route? It's usually the fear of rape because rape is so pervasive and has been allowed the problem with rape is that it has been allowed at something that happens. And one example of how pervasive rape has been is that um, wars have always had a component of rape as a trophy of war. And it only recently it has been sort of defined or, or brought to the table as one of the issues of violence, or one of the byproducts of violence is that women get to be raped afterwards. And this is historically, I mean, all times that has been the case. But only now there is some sort of an identification that uh, that is problematic. So I think that historically women have, you know, defined themselves a little bit. And I, I don't want to essentialize the problem of rape. So I'm trying to be sort of cautious on, on the words I choose. But I do believe that it's a very pervasive problem uh, so much so that uh, women sort of define a little bit their um, lives 
uh, trying not to get raped. I, I think we've identified that this is not just a problem in Latin America, but in the Latin American context, this issue of impunity connected to rape. Is, is there a reason behind this? Well, there are still a lot of gender stereotyping, and Latin America is a culture that um, glorifies motherhood. So you have um, a situation where you ask many no, general uh, population in Latin America will say, well, we love women, we respect women, we adore women. But it's not women, it's mothers. It's the motherhood that it's the glorification, the ultimate women, woman is the one that it's a mother. So that also defines a lot of uh, things on how women are regulated and how their bodies are regulated. So um, the rape has been uh, very pervasive, of course, and violence against women have been very pervasive. Um, and I think that the conscience of protecting women has been easier in terms of protecting mother. Outside even of violence, if you think, for example, on reproductive rights, you have um, countries like in Chile, where you have a, an incredible protection of the working mother in a way that American women here uh, get blown away when you tell them, well, you know, in Chile, women get six months of maternity leave. And uh, before it was three months, and now by a right-wing government, it was passed in the Congress with almost uh, no opposition, a six-month maternity leave. So you can say, well, that's wonderful. They are really protecting women. But it's not women. It's babies. It's women as, as um, protectors of babies. So it's an easy uh, way of doing it because uh, six months is the minimum lactation that it's recommended for babies, so, okay, let's give them that then. But at the same time, it's a country that doesn't have any type of abortion regulated. So all abortions are forbidden because that's um, not protecting babies. So it's women as, um, as carriers of life, not as subjects of rights that are protected. And I think that's a trend that you see in other Latin American countries as well that have been uh, tightened up their regulations in terms of abortion to the point where the burden of proof that you have committed a crime of abortion is uh, not in, um, there is no anymore innocence until proven guilty, but the other way around. So you have in Mexico, in Guatemala, women who've been incarcerated for miscarriages, because there is a presumption that a miscarriage must have been provoked by the woman, and that is a crime. So the, um, if, if we progress, or if, if you think that the progression should go to uh, giving, um, recognizing women as human beings, and therefore recognizing, recognizing them their, um, their right to choose what to do with their own lives, that is something that it's not in the Latin American policy or conscientious policy yet. So women are still being um, studied as objects, and they are still being regulated as objects instead of uh, or instead of looked at as subjects of rights. Since we've talked about rape and since we've talked about abortion, I, I think we should also bring up the issue then of countries that may force women into this illegal area of seeking abortions if they're 
rape. The, the good news is that rape now is a word that you can say, but there is still a lot of shame into rape. When you have someone who has been um, brutally attacked in the street, most likely that person, when she or he comes out of the hospital, he might be traumatized a little bit, but most likely won't have any problem on talking about what happened to him. And he said, you know, I was walking and I got mugged and this guy took a knife and, and it was just terrible. And he will tell the story or she will tell the story. With rape, it's not that case. So there is a lot of shame into rape. And, and the consequences of rape are still very shameful. The most terrible part is when young women are raped and they get pregnant. And what it's really uh, a terrible situation is that many countries where abortion in cases of rape is allowed, the system, the social system, the medical community puts so much pressure that uh, it really creates all sorts of obstacles for women to get the abortion that they had the right to obtain. And that happens in many countries in, in the cases that we have before the Inter-American System of Human Rights or that we've had in, 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 in these cases are precisely cases of uh, rightful abortions that were, uh, where obstacles were put on for, by, by, by the medical profession, by the hospital staff, by, by people because it's so simple to put obstacles into an abortion. This is a, a time you have just a little window to obtain it. So with poor people who have to travel to the hospital, you just have to say, no, the doctor is not here today. Come back tomorrow. For that to be a huge obstacle for women who have to not, not show up for, for his, her work, to take her daughter to seek an abortion because she was raped, it's just a huge, huge burden. And the fact that she, that person has to go to a court and allow and get authorization, for example, to get that abortion and has to go to court to say, well, they are not uh, authorizing my daughter. They don't want to, to give her that abortion that she rightfully uh, has to have. That is just an outrage and it happens on a daily basis. And I think that um, the systems do not realize how harmful it is for families to have to go through that and how um, often that situation happens. These are grand and important topics, and I feel that we've only scratched the surface. But thank you for your time today, Professor Macarena Saiz of the Washington College of Law at American University. Thank you for joining us on Latin Pulse. Thank you very much for allowing me to scratch the surface. I want to finish school and then go to college to be able to graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. The words of a parent help to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the information to help your kids go to college. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Recently, this program traveled to Guatemala, where we were lucky enough to spend some time with the editor-in-chief of the most independent newspaper in Guatemala City, a publication called El Periodico. Here's the first part of our interview with Ana Carolina El Perez on her views regarding the issues confronting women 
in Guatemala? Some things. First, in Guatemala, most of the population are women. Most. Most of the population. The other thing, but the people who make the decisions are men. This Guatemala is a very conservative society, and sometimes the, the people used to think that a woman just have to be at home and have to go outside to make to take decisions, make decisions in, her, in their world. That's one thing. The other thing is because there's a lot of violence against women, and we don't used to talk about that. We used to think that that's our role, that we have to do that or we have to support the situations. That you had to accept violence. Yes, because the man that hit you is because he loves you. You used to hear that things. And the other thing is because we have, we have been grow, we grow in a society that we call machista. And the thing that is interesting is that are the women the one that promote the machismo? You cannot ask me, that's not natural or why you say that. But for example, one role, when you were, uh, when you were here in Guatemala, a woman had to dress in pink, had to use a dress, had to stay at home, mm -hmm. and had to, to take care of his brothers and his father and the man is the idea that the man just gonna have to work and the woman have to do uh, all the other things. But that's not necessary was the role are about them. I disagree with that type of roles. So, and then the other thing is the relations. I believe in the relation between men and women in the equal, in the in equal positions, but here they used to say that the man is up and the woman is down. Mm -hmm. So you have to take care or you have to respect their own decisions. Other research says that the, perpe the perpetual used to be the husband, the boyfriend, someone in your family that are close to you. These are the people who would be the ones who would be aggressive, who would exactly. beat up women. But because there are people that you know, we don't used to talk about that. Because it's like a shame. Mm -hmm. Why you have to talk that? So now you start talking and say to the people, the violence against women is not normal, it's not safe. For example, we have here one case that is called Cristina, we call Cristina Sicarisa. This was, this, I would like to say that it's a woman that is alive, but really we don't know. A year ago, she was with, at her home. She was not the, the typical stereotype of woman that have the suffer violence. If you read, if you used to read the, the medias, in the medias, for example, the typical story is one woman that she's married with a man to have alcoholic problems. She's not educated. She will have five, six kids. She's not working, so she depends totally from the man. Those are like the typical things. But this story make us realize that things are different. In this case, Christina, she's a woman, she's like 30 years old, well-educated, economical level, you can say a class, middle class up, two kids, educated in a private school with a degree at the university, his, man, his husband, a young man, well-educated, the same things. 
Lucia is up here. We don't know where she is. And the other thing is we don't know where are the kids because the man ran away. When this, when this, start, when this story starts, for example, if you see all the newspapers of that day, you're going to find one picture where is her husband in a rally against the violence, against women, and asking, where is my wife? Mm -hmm. Two weeks after that, or three weeks, he ran away. Because all the research said, all the policemen and the, and the um, prosecutor, Prosecutor. Prosecutor seems to that he was the one who killed her, or where she is. Why? Why I talk about this case is because this case makes us, as a Guatemala, open our eyes and understand that the the violence against women is in all the levels, economical levels, all social levels, not just one in this case. So. I found that thing important because they also allow me to explain to people that it's not normal that your husband beat you. We have in Spanish one phrase that say, the one that beat you, he beat you because he loves you. That's a common phrase, a common phrase, el que te quiere te aporrea. But that's not true. So you have to understand that. One thing is that, the other thing is, through the newspaper, for example, you can call the attention to the authorities and also the Minister of Education, because they have to improve one class, teaching the kids, men and women, boys and girls, that is that not normal. Mm -hmm. How are you going to have a health relation with someone else, with your partner? So I think that is important. Let, let me ask about this Christina case. So there's no resolution at this point, and the country is still looking for some answers. Yes. This case become also, and they have another issue. The mother of the husband, the husband is called Roberto Barreda. The mother, she was the president of the Supreme Court, his, woman, his mother. She was, not at that moment. So it seems that she protects him, and that's why maybe we don't have everything what's hap what happened in that time. I've noticed since coming to Guatemala that you are not the only woman who's editing a newspaper right now, that there are several women in powerful positions in newspapers and other media. And so is this one of the reasons that women can actually begin to have this discussion in the media and openly? I think that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is because you have also women in different, let's say in the Congress, they also make some change. Also in the prosecutor office. For example, right now our uh, general attorney is a woman that's one thing that is important. And there's another thing also. Women are educated. Uh -huh. We are not the same model to stay home, and that's all our life. But I think we have to go farther than say that because we are women, we are interested in these issues. Because I think that the society starts to understand that we have to make this change, mm -hmm. that we are not 
uh, below, we are, the, we are the same. We can work together, not behind them. There's another thing. I talked to you about one phrase that said, el que te quiere te aporrea. The one that loves to hit you, beat you. I disagree with that phrase. But there's another that said, behind every great man, there's a great woman. Why behind? We can work together. So that type of discussions. Maybe you can say, Anna, this is very simple, this phrase. But really, it reflects a lot of things of our society. We'll have more from our wide-ranging discussion with Anna Carolina Alperez about women and women's rights and concerns in Guatemala next week. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook, or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Travel support for this program provided by the Center for Latin American and Latino Studies at American University. Thank you for joining us this week on Latin Pulse for our entire team, Associate Producer Lydia Bayoud and Announcer Victor Kilo. I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchen nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is sponsored by American University's Center for Latin American and Latino Studies. The program is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions. <laughs>